This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. I hope it's payday for all you bi-weekly and weekly wage earners. Maybe today's a big day. It's the 18th. Get out and go pay some bills, have some fun. Maybe some adult entertainment, whatever. Get out and go enjoy life. Hopefully you're headed to Starkville this weekend. We have an 11 a.m. kick against East Tennessee State. Should be a dog of a game. Should be. You know, the hope is we can make it through this thing and uh, get a lot of reps for some younger guys. Going to talk about that later in the show. But hoping, hopefully you guys are doing well. I, many of you reach out, too, about, uh, I guess, the soliloquy that I had at the end of the show. And, and I, guys, I'm doing fine. You know, I've, I've had some challenges for sure. Uh, but I'm, I'm doing fine. Matter of fact, I'm in a much better place today than I've been all week. But uh, the reality of it is, is uh, sometimes in life you got to stop and take a bit of an inventory. You know, I, I had this guy named Brad Wordley one time that was a life coach when I worked for another company, and they, they, they paid for us to have a life coach. I was in a very stressful job, and so we had a life coach that, uh, that we used. And uh, I'd have, you know, sessions with him, you know, a couple times a month or whatever, and an outstanding guy. One of the things that he told me that really convicted me is that, that I was leading an accidental life. And I was like, I, I don't know what that means. And he said, well, you know, he goes, Steve, what are your dreams? Well, and I realized I didn't have any. Like my, my children's dreams had become my dreams. And that's obviously my role as a parent and to you as well. But I got old in my 30s, you know, because I became the guy that was paying for everything and I didn't have anything. You know, I, I mean, I had my children and that's fulfilling. And I'm no way trying to suggest that it's not. But I had stopped dreaming. And we talked about that, you know, having personal goals and professional goals and things like that. And so I've kind of went back to some of those principles again this week and kind of, you know, again, taking an inventory of kind of where I am in life. And I'm, I'm going to make some changes to some things. And uh, I've had a lot of dreams here the last few years, and they've, most of them have all come true. And I have a bunch of other ones. You know, but the reality of it is, is I think that uh, when you get down to the core of it all, you know, the dreams that matter most to me are the dreams that involve my family, you know, and not just providing for my family, right? Does that make sense? You know, sometimes we get very career-minded and building a bank account and building a house and that sort of stuff. 
forget about the things that matter most. And so that's where I am. And uh, I hope that perhaps you are too. But uh, don't ever, ever, ever neglect to pack the car. Ever. Ever. And take the kids, the wife, the spouse, whoever. Go do something fun. It's so easy because I make excuses for myself all the time when it comes to that. I mean, my schedule sometimes is impossible. And so as a result, sometimes when I'm home, I just want to be home. And so the answer to that is, is well, maybe change the schedule a little bit. You know, if my professional life is exhausting me to the point that I can't spend time doing fun with the people I care about the most, I got to make some changes. Now, I can't live life as a bohemian. You know, you got to go work. The reality of it is, though, is, uh, you know, balance is the most important thing. And those of you that know me well know that when I'm involved in something, I'm, I'm totally obsessed with it. And so, uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a life process, man. It's like you keep learning. The longer you live, the longer you learn. You know, people talk about that all the time. We act like it's a cliche. The reason it's an endearing cliche is because it's true. So best of luck to all of you. And uh, I'll have some updates on some things soon. All right, uh, let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I love Bulldog Burger Company. Every time I go, I leave satisfied. I leave fulfilled. A tasty meal, good price, good service, great locations. It's an institution, man. Bulldog Burger Company is absolutely fantastic. Matter of fact, uh, my son, part of the new wrestling team at Starville High School, they had their post-match meal at Bulldog Burger Company. That was the team decision. So I appreciate the fact that they have good taste. So how about that? You have good taste, too. Go to Bulldog Burger Company. They'll, they'll scratch where you itch. Get that uh, chocolate shake to go. I, I, I've been on the BLT grilled salad kick here as of late. Love that thing, man. It's fantastic. Love it. But you go there, really, mainly for the hamburgers, right? Get that great restaurant-quality hamburger. You'll be glad you did. One of the few delicacies in life we afford ourselves. It's wonderful. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Star Vegas with that fabulous new patio area, Lake Harbor Drive there in the Ridge and Flowood area, and Tupelo on Gloucester Street. What a great location that one is. Get out and go treat yourself to Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. All right, let's talk uh, SEC football, right? It's weird to think, man, we're almost done. It's like you spend the whole year looking forward to the season, and then you look up and it's over. Guys, we're right there. Guys, we're less than a week away from the battle for the golden egg. Let that sink in for a second. It seemed like just yesterday we're getting ready to play Memphis, and some of our fans are worried we're going to lose. And we're going to get ready to play Ole Miss here in less than a week. So two games in less than a week, which reminds me, uh, we're gonna, I'm going to do my best probably to, uh, to do your Wednesday show on Tuesday night. Because I know many of you will be traveling on Wednesday, and I'll have family coming in on Wednesday. So I'll probably record Tuesday night to have the Wednesday show up for all of you holiday travelers. So on your way to Grandma's house, you'll be able to listen before you go play with your cousins, right? So that's the plan. That's the programming note. Regular time on Monday, probably do Wednesday show Tuesday night, and then we'll come back, obviously, on on Friday uh, after the uh, Battle for the Golden Egg. And have a regular show. So just to kind of give you an idea of kind of what to expect there. But uh, not a lot of great games in the conference this weekend. You know, it's the weekend before rivalry week, so a lot of people schedule a little bit light here. 
four, four 11 a.m. games. It's not just us. And, of course, one of them is an SEC game, so they can put on the SEC network. And they tell me that, like, they have kind of skewed some of these kickoff times around that 11 a.m. spot because the ratings have been better. I think some of it probably has to do with the whole Big Ten arrangement with ESPN. But uh, be that as it may, they're wanting to put better games at the 11 a.m. slot. I don't know how good a game this one's going to be. But um, but let's get back to our SEC Network Plus game. So if you're looking for Alabama, Mississippi State, or Texas A&M this weekend on television, you're going to have to watch it on the app. That's the SEC Network Plus or the ESPN Plus app. Austin P is at Alabama. Let's go P, right? Uh, I don't see this uh, really as a game that uh, probably Alabama should schedule. But that said... Austin P is a very good Atlantic Sun team. They're 7-3 and three on the season. Kind of looking at the schedule here. Their losses, of course, are uh, Western Kentucky, Central Arkansas, and Jacksonville State. But in their league, they've been pretty good. You're third in, third in the conference. But they won't be a challenge for Alabama. But there are worse FCS opponents out there than Austin P. And, and I give uh, you know Mark Hudspeth a little credit for that. You know, uh, Coach Hud was there. He kind of got that recruiting going. Of course, Chad Bumpus was there for a while. But 7-3 uh, and three in a regular season. And uh, they have not played a Power 5 opponent this year. This will be their first one. So, be interesting. Won't be a game at all. Uh, <laughs> the Governors come into the game on a two-game winning streak. So, they'll end the year on that sour note of playing at Alabama. But what a thrill for those young men to be able to go play at Bryant-Denny Stadium, right? If you've never done it, we, we've done it too often. It's not a thrill for us. But good luck, Govs. Alabama's going to roll in this ballgame. Absolutely roll in this ballgame. And I do think that you see them empty the roster in that second half, too. All right, East Tennessee State at Mississippi State. You guys know my thoughts about this game. I don't think State will be challenged in this game. Really, our goal is to win the game. Get some young guys on the field. Get out of the game healthy. Got a short work week ahead of us. There's no point in trying to pad stats or anything like that. And, and I fully believe if I had to call it, I would say the earliest that you would see a change at quarterback would be after the first drive of the second half. After the first drive, assuming the game is in hand, right? I, I don't think you would see it before then. I, but, you know, Mike Leach has kind of been reluctant you know, to put Sawyer in there, I guess he's played in a couple games and it's been late, on one pass. So maybe it's the fourth quarter. Maybe. I'd like to see Will and the starters out of there early or mid-third quarter just to get their legs back under them. And, again, you know, we got to get ready to go, you know. I mean, like Saturday's a big work day for our staff. you got to go play a game, and then immediately you you get over there and start working on, uh, on Ole Miss. And one thing Zach Garnett told us this week I thought was interesting is that a lot of the run concepts – that ETSU uses is similar to what Ole Miss does. And so there should be some carryover in our calls and checks and things of that nature. And so a break in the schedule as we play a non-conference opponent, but also, too, one that is similar to our next opponent. And I think that's interesting, too. And, and you, know, you know, Auburn, of course, ran at football, had some success at times. So that's kind of a, I guess you could say, kind of a happy coincidence that we just happened to get an offensive scheme that is similar to the one we're going to face next week. And so how much does that matter? I mean, it, it can't hurt in preparation. So this is almost like a warm-up for the battle for the Golden Egg. So we can kind of 
put our defense out there. And then the flip side of it is, is Ole Miss will see how we're going to defense them too. So they may add some wrinkles kind of going into uh, next week. But uh, interesting, I think it's an advantage for State. The main thing too, and, and then we talked about this, is uh, when Mississippi State is done playing at home and beginning to rest and seek treatment and things like that and kind of getting their notebooks to see, uh, you know, Ole Miss, you know, our guys will be at home in their PJs drinking some hot chocolate when Ole Miss is playing in, uh, you know, sub-20 degree weather in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Can you imagine how miserable that's going to be? We're going to talk about that game a little bit later. But uh, interesting the way that works out. And that's the thing I begin to think about with Mississippi State in next week's battle for the Golden Egg. Other than playing the game at home, I think every advantage at this point favors Mississippi State. You get the FCS opponent, you play at home in the morning, Ole Miss has to go on the road against a very desperate and a very physical Arkansas team at night in the frigid weather. By the time they get home and get into bed, we'll have already been back, you know, get ready to go on the practice field. You know, so Mike Leach has to take advantage of those advantages. It's as simple as that. You know, we things are set up well for us, but Ole Miss is a quality team. And then in the backdrop out there, there's all these rumors about Lane Kiffin and things like that. And so there's the distractions. So it's setting up well for us. We got to go play football. But uh, you know, things are trending in a way that it would make you think that Mississippi State should be the better prepared football team when we get together on Thanksgiving. All right, UMass is at Texas A&M. And again, Texas A&M, the only team in the SEC that is already eliminated from bowl contention. Can you imagine, absolutely imagine, being at Texas A&M this year as a fan? I mean, let that sink in for a second. You had all this, you know, you beat Alabama last year, but in, in the same year you lost to Arkansas, Mississippi State, and, and Ole Miss. You know, so it's kind of like those – those freeze wins against Alabama, you don't diminish them. But at the same time, too, you got to take them in the proper context because they also lost to Vanderbilt and Memphis those same two years. You know, great teams don't have those up and, ups and downs. But um, A&M will get a chance to take out some of their frustration against UMass. It is 1-9 this year. Their, their lone win was against Stony Brook. That was a 23 win back in week three. But it has not been a good year for the men and men. It's probably been a while since UMass has really – uh, you've kind of been a competitive team in many respects. You look at most of these games. They had a good game last week against Arkansas State. They lost by two. But many of these ball games have been, you know, two and three and four and five score type deficits. Offensively, they've really struggled. So they're not going to give A&M a challenge. If you look up, though, and UMass is in the ball game late, you know, Ross Bjork and those guys may have to make a decision now. You know, and I do believe – people always say, well, do you think Jimbo's going to get fired? No, I don't. I, I think – the foolish contract that they had him sign will prevent that from happening. I think they'll force some staffing changes. Perhaps some play call and responsibilities will be relinquished. But the reality of it is this Texas A&M thing is a complete dumpster fire, an absolute dumpster fire. And, you know, we talked early in the year. I really thought A&M was going to be better. And as right as I've been about Kentucky, I've been as wrong about A&M. I had somebody last night tell me I've been wrong about the Rebels, and I don't know that that's – I've missed on a couple. I'd missed many. I did say I thought they would end the year on a, on a big losing streak, and that still, that still stands to reason. We'll get that in a second. But, you know, A&M, beginning of the year, it's like when they lost when they lost to Appalachian State as the number six team in the country, you, you knew things were, were bad, 
Then they eke out that win over Miami. You think, okay, well, things will be okay. Then they beat Arkansas. It's like, okay, we're, they're 3-1 and one now. Things are good. Offensively, we're not great. But we're 3-1. and 3-1 one. and one and still ranked in the top 25. And, and at, the, at this point, they had, uh, you know, two wins over top 15 teams. And so you felt like, you know what, they would ride their defense to a good year. They had some injuries at quarterback, but you begin to think, okay, with, you know, Max Johnson there, they'll, they'll figure it out. And then they come to Starkville, and we absolutely beat the mess out of those guys, 42-24. And from there, it has been an absolute free fall. A&M opens up 3-1 and one and have not won a game since they beat Arkansas at Jerry World. Can you imagine how brutal that is? It's like one of those things you look at, and it's like, where do you find a win? You lose the state, then you see Alabama, and all of a sudden you're 3-3. Three and three. You go on the road and lose to South Carolina. At that point, the season's over. Had a chance against Ole Miss and give them credit, but I thought Ole Miss made the plays in the second half to win the game. Ole Miss had not been a great second-half team, but on the road at College Station, and I thought the Aggies would get them, but Ole Miss made the plays to win. A&M just couldn't finish. You know, if they have a veteran quarterback or a healthy quarterback beyond the freshman, maybe it's a different ball game. But A&M just simply couldn't score. You know, and as I remember that when they, they scored 28 points against Ole Miss, it was such a huge deal. They finally gotten over 24 points in the game for the first time since the Sam Houston State game. And then, of course, no offense last week either. And, again, give Auburn some credit, man. Those guys playing well. But they should be able to take advantage of, uh, you know, a, a poor UMass team. If they don't, oh, my gosh. All right, so your SEC game in the 11 a.m. slot, this will be on the SEC network, is Florida at Vanderbilt. Now, Clark Lee told us at the beginning of the year that at some point Vanderbilt was going to be the best football program in the country. We all laughed. We deserve to laugh. We continue to laugh. I admire his confidence, admire his vision. I kind of laugh at his, uh, you know, maybe his grip on reality a little bit. But uh, they will host Florida this week and then host Tennessee. So, you know, Savannah Bill obviously has a chance to, to really uh, shock the world and get bowl eligible, you know, right? Not going to happen. They're going to be eliminated this weekend. I struggle to think what Tennessee's going to do to Vandy next week. But uh, Vanderbilt, an improved team this year. I mean, really the only game you look at and say, you know, hey, this is one that really got away from them, well, really two, I guess, is uh, Alabama and Georgia. And that's the case with everybody, right? I mean, you, you can't measure a season on how you do against Alabama and Georgia unless you're on that level. And we're not there, they're not there. But, you know, they, they get off to the 3-1 the and one start there, and everybody thinks, you know what? Where can they pick up another win? Maybe Missouri, maybe South Carolina. They lose them both. Then they get out and upset Kentucky. Big win. And the fact that Kentucky was still ranked says an awful lot about the polls. But uh, there's no reason to think that Vanderbilt will win this ball game. I won't be surprised if it's a struggle early on, though. You know, Billy wants to run the football at Florida. And Clark Lee, you know, defensive-minded guy, they'll have a scheme together. And whether they had the personnel to execute it remains to be seen. But uh, – you know, hey, good moment last week. I think the rest of the conference was happy for Vanderbilt. I think partially because, hey, Vandy won a game. But also, too, it's like, oh, my gosh, Kentucky. You know, the only way it would have been better for us if they'd beaten Ole Miss. But I get so tired of hearing about Kentucky. And that's one thing that I'm, I'm dreading about next summer is everybody telling me how this is the year for Kentucky. And it's the same thing. 
It's the same thing every year. So we look at Florida. You know, Florida, 6-4. and four, It's a disappointing year, but it's year one. You know, people forget how bad Kirby and those guys were year one, too, you know, Georgia. And I'm not sitting here telling you that uh, Napier's going to be, you know, uh, Kirby smart. But the reality of it is, is when you're coming in, putting in your scheme, kind of getting your dues, and uh, kind of putting um, your stamp on things, it takes a little while. You got to change the culture a little bit. I remember, we know, when Kirby got the job at Georgia, you know, everybody's like, oh, look at Kirby, it's not going to work out. Yeah, they, they go eight and five and win the Liberty Bowl in 2016 at Georgia. They were 7-5 and five at the end of the regular season, and then a year later, they played a NAFL championship game. Four years later, they won the NAFL championship game. So think about that when you think about Billy Napier. Because Florida has the resources and the commitment to be a championship program, without question. It's not happening this year. But you're beginning to see things trend in a more positive direction here as of late. Of course, they they got thumped by LSU and Georgia, teams that are very good at running the football. So they got to shore up some things defensively. But they have begun to put some points up. They put 20 up on Georgia, 35 on LSU. And then uh, they blast A&M. I thought A&M may be able to get them. I, I did. I've been too much of a believer. I've been an Aggie homer. And then they blast South Carolina. So – you know, 79 points combined here in the last two games and 99 points in the last three thrown in the Georgia game. Uh, so 33 points a game in this league a lot of times a win. It should be able to win this week. Of course, we're going to take Florida over them. And, again, the big game uh, next Friday is Florida-Florida State. And that's one, too. You know, we're going to be at home anyway with friends and family and just kind of loving life. That's, again, it's a primetime game. We'll look forward to that one. That could have – some bearing on Mississippi State's bowl prospects. So let's go win the Egg Bowl, and then we'll watch how everything shake out on Friday. I think you're rooting interest here. It's Florida State because you want Mississippi State, obviously, to be you know an eight and four team. There's a possibility we could be the only eight and four team. There's also a possibility we could be tied with Ole Miss as an eight and four team. And then you begin to think when it comes down to the bowl pecking order, the same records, head-to-head win. You know, we could really help ourselves with a good 10 days here. We get some help from some other teams. And so, again, I think, you're, I think your Florida State is your rooting interest in this ballgame just because of the fact that would have Florida at 7-5. and five. If they're 8-4, and four, I think, you know, there's a chance that they, uh, you know, maybe could even get in the Citrus. But that's going to, again, Vanderbilt and Florida game is not going to be much of a game. I don't think. I didn't think they'd beat Kentucky either. So, hey, you know, that'd be great, too. If Vandy wants to go ahead and beat Florida, and what if, what if uh, Billy and those guys lose to Vanderbilt and then lose to Florida State and they're 6-6? Six and six? Okay, cool with me. All right, Georgia and Kentucky is your CBS game. That's a 2.30 kick is all. Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y dot com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera too. Uh, it's easy to install. 
You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You get keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You get fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient, it's safe, it's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out. And make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Always, I know when they first put this schedule together, there were so many people that were like, hey, this will be the game. This could be the SEC championship game. Uh, East, to win the East. I'm, I'm sure that's what they were thinking. There were many people that said that. I mean, I remember the beginning of the year. Uh, Georgia was going to lose to South Carolina and Kentucky and maybe even Tennessee and you know, maybe Kirby and those guys are done. Uh, you know, 
that kind of stuff is just so silly to me. But I never thought that Tennessee, excuse me, Kentucky would be would win the East and unthrown Georgia, despite what Georgia's losses were, because they have, you know, re- recruited at such a high level. If I can get this together, I'm looking back here though at the uh, the SEC East picks, beginning of the year, and maybe we we'll go over this real quick. So back then, the SEC East, there Georgia got a, was first place. They got 172 votes as first place. The second highest vote getter was Kentucky. They had four first place votes. I would love to know who those people are, and I suspect most of them cover Tennessee or Kentucky. Tennessee had one vote, and they finished third. One vote to win the SEC East with 929 points, and then Florida was fourth. South Carolina fifth, but South Carolina even got three votes to win the SEC. You kidding me? What are you smoking? Who in the world would have would have? They went six and six last year, and they go get Spencer Rattler. But you still have to go beat Florida, Georgia, and Tennessee, man. Are you kidding me? Give me a break. That's why all this stuff is fun to talk about, but you can't take it seriously. Missouri six, and then Vanderbilt also. Also got a vote to win the SEC East, which is absolutely absurd. Again, I think the SEC should make this, these, uh, these votes public. Look at the bottom here. We won't go through the West, but um, SEC champion Alabama picked to win it. They won't make Atlanta. Georgia had 18 votes. The defending NAFL champion had 18 votes. Uh, yeah. Alabama had 158 so 140 more votes of defending NAFL champions. And I'm sure Kirby Smart probably chomping at the bit tell those guys were being disrespected. South Carolina, three votes to win the Southeastern Conference last year. And then Vanderbilt had one in Texas A&M. And again, it's just, it's absolutely ludicrous. But uh, you look at the poll, I mean, the, the standings now, as it relates to those picks, I think it's kind of interesting. You know, we'll review this at the end of the year. But... Um, so you had Georgia, Kentucky, Tennessee rated one, two, three. It's Georgia, Tennessee, Florida, and then Kentucky in the actual standings at this point. And then South Carolina, Missouri, Vanderbilt. And so it looks like they're going to get the uh, South Carolina, Missouri, Vanderbilt part correct. The top four, not correct, other than Georgia. You know, so it's like all that room between Georgia and then the bottom of the pack. So the SEC media will be pretty – they'll pick the champion – They'll pick the last place team, and it's kind of muddled throughout there. But, uh, you know, again, interesting. But uh, look at the schedule again. This Georgia-Kentucky game. I think Kentucky will come out and compete for a while. I just don't think they got the dudes. I think, and listen, we have played both of these teams. You have seen them up close and personal. If you just looked at the Mississippi State games, you would say, you know what? Georgia beat us worse, but Kentucky beat us too. This could be a really competitive game. But I think when you look at the totality of things and look at the full body of work uh, for Kentucky, I don't give them much chance in this game. I think it'll be a game for a half. And, again, they're 6-4 and four too. They'll be 6-5 and five after the weekend and then have to win the rivalry game to avoid a 500 record. And, again, some people expected this team to uh, win the East. Thought they'd win the East. And they could be 500. <laughs> they could be. It's just like, you know. 
I was right about these guys. I was wrong about them last year. But when I think about all of this hype around Will Levis, that's the thing that so many people were kind of banking their season on was Will Levis. Let's take a quick look at Will Levis, the kind of season he's had. So Will Levis, and everybody wants to be so technical with this nowadays. So last year, Will Levis, 66% completion ratio, 2,826 yards, 24 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, quarterback rating of 148. Now his quarterback rating is up over five points. He has thrown 120 less passes this year. 154 to 233. And still 66.1%. He has thrown 814 less yards, eight less touchdowns, and he's got nine picks. So the numbers have regressed. And I understand that he missed a game. I understand he hadn't necessarily been healthy. But the reality of it is, this dude hadn't produced. Simply hadn't. And maybe it's a byproduct of play calling because the offensive line play has not been very good. They've given a lot of sacks. And may, you know, maybe they're giving up sacks because their quarterback can't see the, the field or can't read defenses. But you look at the numbers here. He had a huge game against Youngtown State. Big game against Northern Illinois. Big game against Miami, Ohio. He is not getting it done against SEC competition. Against Vanderbilt in the loss, 11 of 23 for 109 yards, no touchdowns, and a pick. Against Missouri, a game they won 21-17, 13 of 19 for 170 yards. Three, three touchdowns, they, they got the win. What an impressive game, they got the win. Against Tennessee, because everybody talks about Will Rogers. Well, Will's not getting it done against the elite defenses. Will's not doing this. This guy's projected to be a first-round pick. Against Tennessee, 16-27 for 98 yards and three interceptions. Sacked four times. Against Mississippi State, though, 17-23 for 230, nearly 74%. Against Ole Miss, 18-24. You should have won the game, but, hey, he turned the football over. Against Florida, 13 of 24 for 202 yards. So his biggest SEC passing game came against us. And if you remember, many of those long passes in those games, and the receivers had to turn around and wait for the football. It's about what we didn't do. I'm telling you, this dude is not good. Now, the Steelers will draft him, and I'll probably have to deal with him. Hopefully we won't because we got Kenny Pickett. But I said at the beginning of the year, this dude would not live up to the hype. He has not. And as a result, Kentucky has picked up a tab on that. So Georgia wins. I think it's a struggle earlier, but Georgia wins this game, I think, impressively, which will drop Kentucky to 6-5. and five. Really rooting hard for Louisville next week. And then I'll root against Kentucky in the ballgame, too. I'd love to kind of go back in hindsight and say, you know what, you guys picked them to win the East. They didn't have a winning season. Maybe I'm bitter. Maybe I am. But anyway, Georgia wins big. All right, uh, next game on your schedule is Western Kentucky at Auburn. Now, Western Kentucky began the year. When, when Auburn began to struggle, I was like, you know what, don't sleep on this game. You know, Western Kentucky, 
they're capable of going in there beating these guys, especially, you know, it's the week before the Iron Bowl. Probably going to be beaten down. Western Kentucky is 7-4 and four this year, guys. They entered a game on a two-game winning streak, and they have outscored their opponents 104-17 the last two weeks. Yeah, but you weren't prepared for that. They've won four of the last five. So they're going to show up on the plains thinking, you know what, we can beat these guys. We can win this game. I think this has a chance to be a very sneaky good game. Now, Auburn has played inspired football under Cadillac Williams, and they understand what's at stake. It's senior day at Jordan-Hare. Cadillac will get a nice ovation. Everybody knows he's not expected to get the job. The guy's done an admirable job for his alma mater. I wish all of our former players felt about us the way Cadillac Williams does about Auburn. It is, it's inspiring to see. Like, it's special stuff, man, to hear him talk about Auburn. It really is. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know that I've seen many Mississippi State players on the football side speak with that same level of passion. And I don't know if that says something about us or just something about him. But it has been a special thing to see what Cadillac Williams has done at Auburn here in the last couple of weeks. He is an Auburn man through and through, and I absolutely respect him. But this is going to be an interesting game. I, I do think Auburn wins because I think Auburn will have the dudes and they have played much better uh, you know, defensively. And I don't know what they've changed or tweaked or anything of that nature. But, uh, you know, Auburn is a team that is always recruited well. I think Harson has dug them a little bit of a ditch, so they're going to have to, uh, to hit the portal hard, and they will, no matter who they hire as a coach. But this could be a sneaky game. This is a 3 o'clock game the one opposite the CBS game. If Auburn wins, they're 5-6, and six, and then a game away from bow eligibility could make for a very intriguing iron ball. I'm eager to see what Cadillac can do. I had somebody tell me the other day, you know, UAB should hire him. I don't know that he would take it. I mean, he's already made his money, right? I think he's just happy being an Auburn dude. I think he'd stay there and be the running back's coach or work for the Auburn Foundation or whatever. I think he would be happy to do that forever. But I'm pulling for the guy. really am. But, yeah, Auburn wins this game. I do think it's a good game, though. I don't think you'll look up and be surprised to find out that that game is competitive. If Brian Harson is still the coach, Western Kentucky wins this game. That's easy to say because he's not the coach. But I think Auburn, that we would be trending towards, is he getting fired? When is he getting fired? What's happening here? They lose this game. I think Cadillac has rejuvenated this team, and now they feel like, hey, you know what? We take care of business at home. And then you never know what happens in the Iron Bowl. Wouldn't that be an amazing story? Like if Auburn beats Alabama in the Iron Bowl and then finds a way to get bowl eligible and they go play in the uh, the Gasparilla Bowl or whatever it is. They were in Birmingham last year, so they can't go back there. But uh, you kind of understand my point. Be a remarkable story. Be a, probably worth a movie if Cadillac Williams could pull that off. All right, Tennessee at South Carolina. I really like this game, and we'll be home. That's the great thing about us playing 11 a.m. against East Tennessee State is we'll be home for most of these. Like, we'll, we'll probably get home and catch maybe the tail end of the, uh, you know, Georgia-Kentucky game. But then the rest of the game, the, the better games are in the evening, and we're going to get a chance to go watch them. That's a good thing. This Tennessee and South Carolina game I think will be interesting, but I think Tennessee is just so good when it comes to throwing the football. And I think they're so explosive offensively. Some of the concepts they use. And, you know, the offensive coordinator at Tennessee, I've had many people tell me that this guy is a name to watch 
in the future years when it comes to head coaching positions. And I don't know that he's gotten a lot of uh, a lot of praise. You know, maybe some media attention here and there. But it's Alex Golish. I have had many people tell me this is a guy. He's not ready yet but that he is kind of the secret to their success, and he and Josh Heupel kind of see things on the same way. And uh, he's Russian. Like, he's from Russian descent. Uh, I don't know that he's actually from Russia, but I know that, that his family, I want to say, are, are immigrants from Russia. But this is a dude that a lot of people are telling me, you got to watch this guy in the years to come in the head coaching circles. Not to say he'd be at Mississippi State, but I hear he's a very impressive guy and a guy that maybe hadn't gotten enough credit for what they're doing. Maybe Heupel's getting it and not that Josh isn't a great coach, but they hired him last year and then, you know, things have changed offensively for them. They're, they're a better team with Golish. And so again, kind of a younger guy, but the reality of it is that's a name to watch in the years to come. Again, we do expect Tennessee to be, you know, in a New Year's Six at worst. They could be in the playoff. I, you know, I'd like to see Tennessee make the playoff. I think Tennessee is capable of playing for a national championship. Did we say that at the beginning of the year? I knew we thought they'd be good, borderline great. These guys could potentially play for a national title. I don't know that the reality of that is really sunk in yet. Tennessee is one of these teams, again, they're a one-loss team. And there is some upward mobility there because they should expect to beat both South Carolina and Vanderbilt. And, of course, the big one over Alabama kind of propels them forward. Your only loss is at Georgia. I, I could make that case. Couldn't you? I don't think there's any question about that. Tennessee could play for the national championship. It's just amazing to think about that considering how far they've come. And, again, they still got sanctions to deal with. You know, that's still going to be one of those things that um, I don't think it's going to be as bad as we initially expected. I, I just don't. I think that um, it should be. But I think this the kinder, gentler NCAA is just going to kind of let it go for many respects. They'll, they'll, they'll give show causes to everybody involved in all that. But I don't think there's any question that uh, Tennessee won't get hammered. And maybe maybe that's not the right way to say it. I don't think the sanctions are going to be any way what they should be. You know, these McDonald's bags and things like that. I think they're going to hammer the individuals. Tennessee will go on probation and have some scholarship reductions. Probably not as bad as it should be. But you had the head coach involved in some of this stuff, at least had knowledge of it. You had actual staffers doing all sorts of unscrupulous things. But look at the playoffs. You know, the current playoff rankings, Georgia is one, and Georgia should remain undefeated. And I think even if Georgia lost in the SEC championship game to LSU, they would stay in the top four. Ohio State, undefeated number two. Michigan is three. Well, one of those teams is going to lose between Ohio State and Michigan, right? And then there's TCU uh, at fourth. Did you know that was coming? My goodness. What a great turnaround at TCU. And then there's Tennessee at five. So Ohio State, Michigan, the loser could be leapfrogged by TCU and Tennessee. That's how important this thing is. I mean, it is conceivable that Tennessee 
could be in the playoffs. And with that offense, you kidding me? On a neutral field? I don't know that I'd pick against them. And what, what if Tennessee and Georgia played again? Now that you've seen each other up close, right? And, you know, TCU, you're looking at their schedule. You know, TCU should win out. You know, they beat Texas last week. You got Iowa State and then, um, you know, the, the Big 12 championship game. So, yeah, I don't know who's going to win that side of it. But um, it's going to be interesting. But uh, I think the Ohio State-Michigan game is probably the only one that kind of gives you some upward mobility if you're Tennessee. But it's not out of the realm of possibility to think that Tennessee could sneak in there. Because, of course, Tennessee doesn't have to play in the title game. Other teams are going to have to play another game. You don't have to play the title game. So Tennessee is in a great position to make the playoff. Just behind them is LSU. Now LSU's got to play the title game. And then, then there's USC and then Alabama 8. So you have four SEC teams there in the top eight. And then once you get down there, the next one, of course, is Ole Miss there at 14. And so that's why you think, you know, Ole Miss, if they continue to win – could certainly play their way into New Year's Six. And, like, it's interesting. I see all these people. It's like, oh, yeah, Ole Miss could definitely be in a 12-team playoff. Guys, we've only played 10 games, and they're not in the playoffs. They Like, if we had a 12-team playoff, they would not be in it. No matter what they tell themselves, they wouldn't be in it. They're ranked 14th. And then, of course, you know, the highest G5 makes the playoffs too. Or makes it in New Year's Six. Forgive me. But you understand my point. You get two SEC West games to go, and people are like, oh, yeah, we would be in a playoff. No, you wouldn't be. It's right there in black and white. It's not a matter of opinion. You wouldn't be in the playoffs. You dropped from 11 to 14 last week. Probably should have dropped further. We'll see what happens after your games this week. I suspect they'll miss might even be ranked when it's all said and done. But, yeah, Tennessee wins this game against South Carolina. You, you know my feelings about South Carolina. I thought they'd struggle to make a bowl game, and then they found a way to beat Kentucky, which kind of changed the perception. I thought maybe they were a 5-7 type team. You beat Kentucky, you get it done. They're going to lose this week. Beamer ball will have some wrinkles, of course. They'll get out there and kind of make some things happen. But uh, South Carolina, I believe, is looking to end the year on a three-game losing streak. They got beat by Florida last week to lose to Tennessee this week, and then it's Clemson next week. So it looks like another 6-6 six and six year for Shane Beamer. And everybody likes Shane, but it's going to be difficult to rise up the ranks at South Carolina with Tennessee getting better, Georgia hanging on, and then Florida getting better. And Florida proved last weekend they're better in South Carolina. All right, the next ball game, of course, the 6:30 kick, Tennessee and South Carolina on ESPN. Just in case you're curious, the 6:30 game on the SEC Network is Ole Miss at Arkansas. Have you guys looked at the weather? For Fayetteville? I mean, have you looked at it, honestly? It, we talk about how bad it was when we went up there in uh, 15. It's the coldest I think I've ever been in my life. This is worse. And the only way that I think it'd be better is if maybe it, it snowed a little bit or it rained because we're not playing in the game. So I can enjoy watching, you know, the culture, I guess, but um, – Saturday, the high is uh, 46 in Fayetteville. And then it's supposed to be down to 18 degrees that night. Some light wind. Possibility of some snow. A little bit. A little bit. It's going to be frigid, man. I can't begin to imagine sitting out there watching a football game, much less having to go hit somebody as cold as it's going to be. 
but 46 during the day with 14 mile an hour winds, and then the wind dies down a little bit. 18 degrees at night. It's going to be rough. In the immortal words of uh, David Putty, it's going to be rough. I like Arkansas to win the game. And uh, a lot of talk, of course, about K.J. Jefferson being available this week. They, that has been an issue all year with them, and, and obviously that has impacted their season. Um, you know, does Mosley play? Don't know. So, didn't play last week. But uh, looking back at what Sam Pittman had to say early this week, uh, we anticipate him playing on Saturday. Those things certainly change. They have over the last two weeks, but he feels better than he has since the Auburn game. We have to see how he is at practice, to be perfectly honest with you. But I know he feels better than he has in the last two weeks. So hopefully that means good things. And here's the thing, too. I mean, the season's on the line, right? I mean, you need your leader to play. And if you know anything about KJ, if he can play, he's going to play. And the season is on the brink now. It's not like it has been, okay, well, we can still figure it out. There were some people that thought Arkansas would, uh, you know, challenge for a big year this year. And then here we sit 10 games into the schedule, and they're 5-5. Five and five. Pretty rough, if you're Sam. So, Sam and those guys got to find a way to win this football game. Now, I do expect Ole Miss to get out early. Give Lane Kiffin and the staff a lot of credit. They scheme you up and script that first quarter as well as anybody in the country. I just wonder a little bit about execution. I wonder about catching the football. And then these are two teams that want to run it. This game may be over in 45 minutes. Obviously, it can't be, but you understand my point. This should be a quick game. Uh, but I do like Arkansas to win in a close one. I think it'll be a low-scoring game. You know, if somebody gets some separation early, let's say Ole Miss jumps out 14 nothing, it might be it might be curtains for Arkansas. But I suspect this is a game that'll probably be similar to what we saw last week with LSU. Probably a game in the teens, the early 20s. And I think Arkansas is a team that can run the football against Ole Miss. You know, they can just look at the LSU formula too. And so I think Arkansas is more comfortable in this condition because they, they're there a lot. They're a little more acclimated to it. I can't begin to imagine going and playing this game. So we're going to take Arkansas to win in a bit of an upset. And then there's New Mexico State of Missouri. You guys know what a big fan I am of New Mexico. Uh, New Mexico State at Missouri. Missouri wins this game, but I'll tell you, looking at New Mexico State, they have been competitive in some games. Now, the two Power 5 teams they've played have been absolute blowouts. They played Wisconsin early this year, lost 66-7, lost uh, to Minnesota, 38-0. Hello, Heather Fleck. But outside of that, they've been good. But they are not a team that is going to win a shootout. You know, you look at the scores of the games they played against their contemporaries, and the games have all been pretty low scoring. They did go hang 45 on uh, on Hawaii and Lamar. But uh, you know, we talked about how putrid that UMass team is. They, they only beat them 23-13. to 13. So this should not be a game. The Aggies are 4-5 and five this year. So, again, Missouri wins. And, again, my conspiracy theory, Missouri wins and then beats Arkansas next week. I don't think Missouri is better than Arkansas. I just think that there is too much money to be made. I don't know who makes that call, but I'm just telling you, I, I won't be surprised. I think Arkansas is a better team, but I, I think Missouri's going to win next week. And Missouri will find a way to get bowl eligible. UAB at LSU, uh, you know, change on the Plains, excuse me, and, and the Plains and Birmingham, if I can get this together. UAB is 5-5 five and five this year. 
Entered the ball game fresh off a win over North Texas. That snapped a three-game losing streak. They lost to Western Kentucky, Florida Atlantic, UTSA. Uh, they get North Texas last week. And, uh, again, they could get bowl eligible too, they, but they end up the year on the Louisiana hayride. They go to LSU, and then next week it's at Louisiana Tech. So they'll lose this week and then have a chance against Louisiana Tech to find a way to get bowl eligible. And considering that we're not going to hit all, all, all of our bowl tie-ins, there may be the possibility of uh, them getting in one of those games. And they should beat Louisiana Tech, who struggled this year at 3-7. and seven. So we'll see how things progress. But uh, not that we're worried about UAB, but uh, somebody's got to fill those SEC bowl tie-ins. Might as well be UAB getting one of them. I think, you know, those Birmingham and those Gasparilla Bowls just need a team, right? They just want to have a game. So here are your winners. Alabama. Mississippi State, Texas A&M, Florida, Georgia, Auburn, Tennessee, Arkansas, Missouri, and LSU. And again, I'm looking forward to getting home watching some SEC football. We'll take care of business and we'll get home, have a chance to watch some other games. Should be a lot of fun. All right, time for today's top 10 list, brought to you as always by CloseWithBlair.com. Blair Chandler is a mortgage professional. Many of you have mortgage needs. Some of you don't realize it yet, but you do. Maybe it's time to refinance. Maybe it's time to consolidate some debt, get some cash out for some home improvement. Maybe it's time to buy a home. Maybe you're looking to relocate. Blair Chandler can take care of all of those needs. Just call or text Blair today at 601-500-2344. Again, that's 601-500-2344. You can get more information at closewithblair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. And fill out some information there. Just fill out the contact us form. Blair will be in contact with you, and you're reaching out directly to him. It's not going through some database or uh, some customer service rep. You're going directly to Blair. That's why I've given you his personal cell number. Again, 601-500-2344. Close with Blair. All right. Roy reminded me we were going to do a country music legend today. We hadn't done a lot of country as of late. We're going to do that Monday, and it's going to be true country. But we did not do the Rock of Tennessee. So we're going to do the Rock of Tennessee today. And I'll be honest with you, not a lot of rock bands from Tennessee. But the ones that are, are great. You know, Tennessee kind of really known more as a country music capital of America. But I'm going to share with you some bands that, uh, that I love from the state of Tennessee. Maybe you've heard of them. Maybe you haven't. Number 10 on our list are the Kings of Leon. You would think they're from Florida, right? From Ponce de Leon or whatever, but it's not. A lot of these bands based out of Nashville and Memphis, as Kings of Leon are. And uh, I know many of you are huge fans of Kings of Leon. We've had some requests to do a top ten of Kings of Leon. I don't know that I could do it, to be quite honest with you, and, do, and be fair to you guys. But the song Use Somebody is amazing. Absolutely amazing track. That's when I first kind of learned of this band. Many of you were on the bandwagon much earlier than me. But Kings of Leon, a very solid band out of Nashville, Tennessee. Number nine, going back to the 80s, which is always fun. Another band from the South. They didn't look like it. They didn't sound like it. They had a few songs here and there that were kind of, uh, you know, maybe Southern culture. But it's the band Every Mother's Nightmare. Now, my favorite song from them didn't make our list, but I want to throw a bone out to them for that great song, When the Walls Come Down. 
I think it's actually entitled Walls Come Down. Great track, great intro, great guitar riff, but we're going to go with their biggest hit, Love Can Make You Blind. That may be the one you know. They're a bit of a one-hit wonder, but it's every mother's nightmare. Love Can Make You Blind, number nine on your list. Number eight, the band Giant. They didn't have a lot of hits, but the one they had was huge. I'll See You In My Dreams. Great song. I didn't even know they were from Tennessee, but they are. The band Giant. And again, a one-hit wonder. Number seven, an up-and-coming band that has the son of Aerosmith bass player, Brad Whitford, his son, is a lead guitar player in this great band. I recently saw they were played in Huntsville, Alabama. I started to go over there and, uh, and make a trip to see those guys. Didn't get to work it out. But it's Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown. They have been on, on here, I, I think this is the third time that this song has been on a top ten list. I love this song. It is one of the better, maybe blues, quite rock songs that I've heard in maybe the last ten years. But it's Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown, on to the next. Number six, love this band. I'm a serious XM Octane listener. I hope that you are too. If not, you should be. That's where all the new rock is. It's Devour the Day. And this is a band too that has some Christian influence in them. And this is a great tune, really in that uh, that same vein, kind of in a Christian rock genre. It's the track Good Man. From Devour the Day. Number five, a band, and one of the, they only had the one big album. And it wasn't great, but this is a band that, it was kind of like a, a genesis of sorts. Ron Keel, who went on to do Keel, and eventually did some country music as Ronnie Keel, was the lead singer of this band. And, and their classic lineup, it was our first introduction to guitar virtuoso Ingve Malmsteen. It's the band Steeler. And we're going to go with a track called Hot on Your Heels that has about a three-minute intro. You put the song on and you think it's an instrumental. And then about three minutes in, the song really kicks in. Great tune and really illustrates the great guitar virtuoso that is Ingve on this track. Number four, another Christian band. I've seen these guys live. They're phenomenal. It's two brothers, and then a couple of their friends. It's the band Red. They've played the Double Ward several times. I remember several years ago they had Brian Head Welch come out after Brian became a believer and uh, played on one of their songs. But it's the great track, Breathe Into Me. Number four, Red's Breathe Into Me. Number three, another Christian rock band. Maybe that's the, uh, you know, maybe if it's not the country music capital of the world. Maybe it's becoming the Christian rock capital of the world, state of Tennessee. It's the band Skillet. Could have gone a lot of different directions here. We've had them on the show before a couple times, but it's the track Rise Today, number three. Number two, one of my favorite bands. One of my favorite bands from the late 80s, and a band that I don't think got enough notoriety. Anthony Quarter out of Memphis recently recorded uh, a couple years ago they did a an album called the bastards of beale it's a good track that one of their their guys that got cancer did some benefit shows for them i've uh, actually corresponded with anthony in recent years there's so many great songs in that catalog and many of you only know walking shoes but i'm going with the track guilty number two tora tora guilty off the surprise attack album number one though in my estimation and in my opinion 
the best rock band from the state of Tennessee. And I'm sure somebody's going to hit me up and say, Steve, you forgot so-and-so. And maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Maybe I forgot somebody. But to me, the best rock band from Tennessee, and they are a modern rock band, is the band Saliva. Love those guys. Based out of Memphis, Tennessee, Josie Scott no longer with the band. He recently played uh, down in Hattiesburg, and I was hoping to get down there and see that show. Just couldn't pull it off. There's only so much your good friends and hosts can do. Uh, but it's Saliva's Survival of the Sickest. Now, the intro to that song used to be the intro to this show. You know, for a while there, you know, we kind of struggled around figuring out what would be the intro to the show. But Survival of the Sickest is a song that means an awful lot to me. It's about uh, kind of getting clean and sober to me. Uh, it didn't mean it's not maybe the same thing to them. I've shared with you guys before years ago when I was in Hattiesburg and a huge part of that recovering community down there. Uh, I went to this place called the Gratitude Group and uh, we had some issues about profanity. Now, there have been stretches in my life. I have gone 10 years or more without uttering a profane word. I'm in relapse right now. But um, nevertheless, when I was down there in Hattiesburg, I was part of the gratitude group. And one of the old timers said, hey, we shouldn't use that kind of language in AA. And I said, well, you know, the, the, the third tradition says the only require, requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. And my attitude was, is we shouldn't expect people, brand new drunks and brand new uh, drug addicts to come in off the street to get clean and sober, to expect them to come in and, and uh, adhere to a lot of rules. And so I was very anti-establishment when it came to that. So eventually what they decided to do at my home group is uh, we would have the, uh, you know, everybody gets together and they read the preamble and we would do the announcements, pass out chips and that sort of stuff. And then we would separate into three different groups. We used to do two and they created a third group. They used to have, hey, okay, we're going to have um, new uh, first three steps in this room, newcomers across the hall. And then they created another meeting within the meeting. And they said, Steve is going to take some are sicker than others in the atrium. And I thought that was great. Some are sicker than others, of course, part of the, uh, the AA vernacular. Our group exploded because we were a lot more, uh, I don't say irreverent, but we were one of those, we, we just kind of let people be themselves. And so this song kind of reminds me, Survival of the Sickest, because, the, you know, we were sick people. And uh, I think you, you allow people to kind of be who they are and love them where they are. And eventually, uh, my segment of the group, and I call it mine, it was ours. I, I may have been the chairman, but it was ours, became the biggest group within that organization. It got to be such a big deal that even the counselors at Next Step would tell, especially their young people, when they break for groups, go to uh, some are sicker than others. That was us. And so I hold that uh, with a great deal of pride. And so all these years later, I listen to Survival of the Sickest. It takes me a little bit back to Hattiesburg and Pine Grove and that great recovery community. But also, too, there are a lot of people that counted your good friend and host out. There were a lot of people that said I'd never make it. And if I make it to December 10th, and there's a good chance that I will, it'll be 31 years clean and sober. 31 years. And so if you or anybody that you know is having issues with addiction, you hit me up. Yeah, and I, I, again, I told you guys I'm making some changes. One of the, one of the changes that I'm going to make in my life is uh, I'm not going to return a lot of uh, social media messages after business hours, right? But if you need me, you reach out to me and I'll get to you as soon as I can. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to spend less time on my phone because I feel like it's all I ever do is work sometimes. But there you go. There's your top 10 list. If you have an idea for the top 10 list, reach out and let us know. We'll be glad to do it. We'll be glad to look at it. 
It may take us a while to get to it. You send those suggestions to Roy Samante. I was supposed to be with Roy at the Lander Center last night, seeing Judas Priest and Queensryche. Couldn't work it out. I had a speaking engagement at Starville Touchdown Club. Uh, so couldn't make it to, to Priest and uh, really wanted to see Queensryche. I love the new the new album. is amazing. Absolutely love it. The best album uh, since Todd Latour joined the band. It's absolutely incredible. I know there's some people out there that are kind of Queensryche snobs and say, well, without Jeff, it's not really Queensryche. You know what? That may be true. Uh, but I tell you, this album is amazing. If you like good rock music, just listen to that new Queensryche album. I think you'll be absolutely amazed. And I love that new Skid Row album, too, if you hadn't checked it out. But, um, yeah, Roy's a good friend of mine, and I appreciate his contributions to the show. You can find Roy on Twitter and Spotify at Dogmatic67. That's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. Pull him up on Twitter. Hit the follow button. He doesn't tweet a whole lot. It's really just kind of whatever's going on with Mississippi State and then our top ten list. So it's not like he's going to just, like, blow your your feet up with, like, pictures of his food and, like, him with a cat or something like that. I mean, that's just, you know, Roy doesn't do that. Uh, but Roy is my friend, and I appreciate his contributions uh, to our show. Hopefully Roy will get a chance to make a show uh, sometime here in the new future. So, again, thanks so much to our, uh, our friend uh, Blair Chandler for his sponsorship of this segment. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by CampusBookmart.net. Uh, pretty exciting stuff going on at Campus Bookmart. They have renovated the bully shop. Everything is upstairs now, which has allowed them to expand their selection of Mississippi State merchandise. If you're looking for Mississippi State merch, it's the holiday season. And, and ladies, I hate to tell you this, we're five weeks away from Christmas. Five weeks away. I know many think, well, I'll wait for Black Friday. No need to wait. Go ahead and get some preliminary buying done now. Go ahead and knock off that Mississippi State merch by going to campusbookmart.net. And you're going to spend a bunch of money, but being a Boneyard listener is a great thing. We're going to save you some cash. Use promo code BSR at campusbookmart.net. Of course, BSR stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. All right, let's talk a little basketball. Man, the Bulldogs are playing well. And one of the things that's so exciting to me is all the excitement you guys are showing, right? I mean, we were all hopeful, you know, and, and we have we have a really, really, really hardcore basketball following at jeanspage.com. We have some posters on our basketball forum that are probably bigger basketball fans than even baseball and football fans. Like, basketball is their primary sport. So if you are a basketball junkie and want to talk some real Bulldog basketball, Come to jeanspage.com and join the discussion on our Bulldog basketball board. Paul does a great job covering the men for us. Robbie Falk, a great job on the women's side. But again, I give our posters a lot of credit that kind of keep up with college basketball year-round. And so when you have questions about future opponents and things like that, there are people there that are more than happy to discuss that with you. And again, I don't spend a lot of time on the basketball board. I love Mississippi State basketball, but it's not my primary sport. And um, But I have a lot of respect for our people on that forum uh, that really kind of get out there and get things done for us. So, again, thank you to those folks. But uh, stayed a big winner last night, 79-42 in the regional round of the Fort Myers tip-off. So we win that game 79-42. be back in action on Monday down at Fort Myers, Florida, against Marquette. And, again, you can catch that game. It is a 7:30 tip on Fox Sports 1. So be sure and tune in for that. You'll be glad you did. And, again, I, I like Mississippi State's team. I think you guys do too. And that's like, I see the comments on social media. A lot of people have kind of gotten out of the habit of coming to the hump. 
you know, as we get deeper into this thing, you're going to want to see this team. I think you need to come back and be a part of that. And I love our students. They are the lifeblood of Humphrey Coliseum. This Marquette team's a good team, though. It's not going to be a situation where the Bulldogs are just going to show up. And, and the, the, probably the best team to date that State has faced, a Marquette 3-1 and one on the season. And, again, this is a program, too, that recruits very well. They, have, uh, they won their, their first two games. They knocked off Radford 79-69 and beat Central Michigan in Milwaukee 97-73. They lose to Purdue in, at Purdue 75-70. And then uh, a big non-conference win over the weekend in Milwaukee against um, LIU 95-58. They beat the Sharks, the LIU Sharks. So congratulations uh, to that. But uh, they have not played a team of Mississippi State's caliber so far. Of course, the Purdue team, not not sure how good Purdue is going to be this year. That's a Power 5 opponent, too. And so uh, it's a loss, but it was a competitive game. So we look forward to kind of seeing how that thing breaks out. Would be a big win for State, kind of getting away from Humphrey Coliseum, winning on a neutral court. But um, looking at um, Marquette briefly here before we move on, it's Prosper, Olivier, Maxence. That's kind of the straw that stirs the drink there. Or Olivier, Maxence, Prosper. I never know what he's hyphens, how things are going. But uh, he is kind of their dude, leading them at 15.3 points a game. And then David Joplin, also right there at 15 points. They have four players in double figures. Rebounding's a big part of this thing, too, for them. These guys get after it on the glass, for sure. Um, so we're going to have to find a way to go win the ball game. I have a lot of faith in Chris Jans. And one of the things that I've noticed about him too is uh, you never he never seems to panic. He always seems to know when to use a timeout. That's one of the things that uh, when Ben Hallen was our coach, I thought Ben got uh, caught up too much in watching the game rather than coaching the game. I, I don't get that sense with Chris Jans. I think Chris is always in the fight, you know, with the team. I think he has a good finger on the pulse. And I think that shows. It seems like that um, – when things are not going our way, he kind of know when's to let it flow and then when to reset. And that's a good measure of coaching. And so, you know, so far, very, very happy. And of course, last night, you know, against South Dakota, who was two and two out of the Summit League, you know, stayed a huge lead at the half, 38 to 15. And then you still outscore them by 14 uh, in the second half, a 41 point half, stayed a 79 42 winner. And, again, not, not sure how good these guys are going to be, but right now it's about us getting our legs under us. And Tolu, again, leads the way with 16 points. Cam Matthews, 14. How about that, Cam? There's some games last year. Cam didn't score, but was still an impactful player. And it just seems like Chris Jans has found a way to use Cameron as part of the Bulldog offense. He's not just a defensive stopper. He's not the new generation version of Brandon Vincent. DJ Jeffries with a dozen points, too. DJ playing some good basketball for the Bulldogs. And then four of seven last night from the three-point line. Yeah, how many times last year did we see him take an ill-advised shot, not have his feet set? Eric Reed Jr., uh, just a couple points, but also back in a starting lineup. And then Jamel Horton Jr. played 19 minutes as a starter. Leading scorer off the bench is Tyler Stevenson. He has proven to be a really good six-man for State. He just seems to give us life on the defensive end and the offensive end. But a lot of Bulldogs in the scoring column last night. And uh, as you'd expect, a big ovation for Isaac Stansberry as he got on the court last night. But uh, State empties the bench. Good night, 34 of 72 from the floor. Uh, just 7 of 25 from the three-point line. But uh, Justin Rump, 
attempted two shots last night, both from beyond the arc, and rammed them both home, in the immortal words of Jack Crystal. Uh, State pulls down 47 rebounds last night, won that margin by 15. Uh, we stayed out of foul trouble, too. That's one of the, the key elements of basketball is learning to defend without fouling. And we struggle with that at times uh, the last few years. But uh, as of late, been pretty good with it, too. You know, assist 18 last night against just six turnovers. That's probably a stat you can live with, but you'd like to have more assisted baskets. And then six block shots for the Bulldogs. Sean Jones with a couple last night for State. 14 steals. Will McNair has two of those, but the leader was Shaquille Moore with five. I dislike what we've seen. And, and it, it appears, again, it's still early. It's four games. But it seems like we're getting more out of our returning players. And, and just this, is, this one game is not an anomaly. You look back over the year, Tolu staying out of foul trouble, doing a good job on the post. And it just seems to be like where he's setting up these days, positioning-wise down there, is allowing him to get better shooting position. And I think the numbers reflect that. And, of course, you get some offensive production from Cam. DJ Jeffries playing more within himself. Still got some work to do there. Uh, but by and large, a good night for the Bulldogs. And, uh, again, excited – about the direction of this program, as many of you are as well. And it it becomes an infectious thing, right? We just want to win. We absolutely just want to win. That's a big part of everything. It's like we we don't just root for the teams just because they wear our school colors. We want to be involved with winning. Okay, tonight, the uh, Bulldogs women's team in action against Alabama State. It's a 7 p.m. tip here at Humphrey Coliseum. If you can't make it, you can catch the game on SEC Network Plus. You have to use your, your app or your Roku stick or whatever. But you should be able to watch that game tonight. Should be another Bulldog win. Again, not an extremely challenging non-conference schedule. South Dakota State is a legit opponent. But, uh, you know, again, we're getting our legs under us. And then another big game on Sunday, also an SEC Network Plus broadcast, Colorado State. That's a 3 p.m. tip. So here's the deal. Come to Starkville today. Watch the Bulldog ladies play tonight. Watch the Bulldogs win the football game and then stay over because most of you have like a two-night minimum at your hotel anyway and then go watch the ladies play again on Sunday. So you can get Bulldog entertainment every day this weekend. And There's a good chance we're going to win all those games. Now, speaking of games that should be of note for you, Mississippi State has a second-round soccer game in the NCAA tournament uh, today at 4 p.m against Memphis in Fayetteville, Arkansas. The way the format works is you play at home, you host, and then you go to the regional format after the first round. Now, looking at the uh, NCAA tournament bracket here, which I will attempt to do now, um, I had this up for you. But here we go. The magic of Google. Remember when it was uh, Ask Jeeves? Remember that? When search engines were like in their infancy? And it's like you could, you didn't, you didn't have, you had to put keywords. It was a different. The, the internet is a much easier place to navigate these days, which isn't always a great thing. But uh, when you look at this tournament here, and there are some games ongoing right now. By the time that you listen to the show, these games will be over. Uh, BYU wins against Stanford in a bit of an upset. It was a one-one game after extra time. They go to PKs. BYU wins on PKs. And that's the number six seed upsetting the number three seed Stanford Cardinal. And so on that side of the bracket, the two is out. I guess they reseeded. Um, but, you know, St. Louis got beat. But uh, nevertheless, BYU will now advance to play North Carolina that eliminated SEC foe Georgia earlier today. So 
Carolina beats Georgia, so Carolina and BYU will now advance to the next round. The bottom half of that bracket, Michigan State now trailing TCU. They will play the winner of that game will play the winner of Santa Clara and Notre Dame. We expect Notre Dame to win that game. They absolutely destroyed Omaha in the regional round uh, 5 nothing. On the other side of the bracket, which is the one that you care about, is all these people continue to message me. This is the kind of stuff I'm talking about. It's like it's never-ending. It really is. All right, so we look here at the other side of things. And um, there's a lot to this bracket. It's kind of complicated to kind of figure out here. So on our half of the bracket, let me get up here where where we should be, okay? There's a lot of teams still in, in, uh, in play here. So on our side of things, in our regional pod, Arkansas will play Ohio State tonight. That'll, that'll go following our game. We play Memphis at 4 o'clock Central. The winners of those two games will meet on Sunday at 5 p.m. And then you go to the next round, the next set of bracketing, uh, which would be, you know, between Florida State, LSU, uh, Georgetown, and Pittsburgh. So we would play, you know, there in the, um, I guess that would be the quarterfinals. So we're in, we're in uncharted territory for uh, Bulldog soccer. But this Memphis team, a good team, a team that we're capable of defeating. And, of course, uh, you know, we're familiar with Arkansas. But every game gets harder from here. But it would be incredibly nice. We've already accomplished history here if our ladies, despite all the adversity we battled through this year, could continue to advance and play in this tournament. So, you know, you could wake up on Monday and we're recording this show and we're rather soccer-centric because, you know, the ladies could be on the verge of of uh, playing their way into, uh, you know, the opportunity to play for an NFL championship. How cool would that be? I mean, you're two wins away, you know, from getting to the big rounds. So pretty exciting stuff. And, again, congratulations to Coach Armstrong and everybody involved with Bulldog Soccer. So a lot for you guys to root for this weekend. And, uh, again, a lot of teams are still in play here uh, for the NCAA tournament. But uh, we have never won a tournament game before. We finally have. So let's keep it going. Let's don't be satisfied with that, ladies. Let's go knock it out of the ballpark and uh, get ready to go. And before you know it, we'll be talking about some baseball, right? Oh, excited about that. Absolutely excited about that. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by our friends at Portico. I've told you guys before, if I was moving to Starkville now, I would move to Portico. 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus, conveniently located right there near 82 and 12, so you can turn off 82 on a 12, then the very first ride is Pat Station Road. And so when you get ready to leave town, you get out of your driveway, leave a neighborhood, and you, 82 is within, you know, visible distance. Pretty cool stuff. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home, go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home. You can have all the, all the amenities that you want there. They, uh, phase one's completely sold out. Phase two, underdevelopment now. Already Some of those homes are already sold. But there is opportunity for you to pick out a lot and a house plan as you kind of move forward. So if you need a custom build, they can accommodate you. It's not all cookie-cutter type stuff. Give our friend, your friend, Mississippi State's friend, Brooks Bryan, a call at 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. Uh, Brooks can get you going. And if you're, if you're shopping now and your real estate agent hasn't mentioned Portico, maybe it's time you ask why. That's the place to be. Make Portico your next move. Okay, we're going to spend our last few minutes together and kind of do a potpourri of things here. You know, and I did some book signings this week, and I got to say, I, I did not expect 
the book signings this year to be what they have been. I thought we'd sell some books, but we've sold a lot of books, and I have not had a new book hit the shelf since February. Of course, Dogpile came out in February. But everywhere I go, we're selling a lot of books, you know, especially considering the expectations for me. And uh, so I'm very grateful for that. I mean, everywhere we go, we're doing, you know, doing good numbers. And uh, my next book signing will be this Sunday. I'll be at the Book Martin Cafe downtown in, on, uh, on Main Street in Starkville. Uh, had two, two speaking engagements this week, of course, 120 Club uh, in Jackson on Tuesday and then Starkville Touchdown Club Thursday. I don't know what next week holds. I don't. I'll find out soon. But uh, with the holidays – you know, I'll be pretty busy here over the course of the next uh, few weeks. But um, reality of it is, if you need my sports books, go to dogpilethebook.com. You can get Flim Flam, Stark Villains, Alpha Dogs, and Dogpile right then and there. You can get them signed. You can get them personalized. And, of course, Bloomsville, and they're available through Amazon, brooksandmillion.com, barnesandnoble.com. Stark Villains gear always available at Stark Villains. So now that I've stumped on all that stuff, let me talk about – let's just kind of talk about some of the things that are going on. Everybody wants to know about the AD search. And I shared with you guys earlier this week, last week, the Friday was like the last day for applicants to kind of get the required documentation in. I don't know what all that entailed. I know it's basically kind of like a resume and your list of qualifications, things like that. And then this week, the Parker Group is kind of working through doing the background checks, the due diligence, and then the process will be narrowed down. Now, there is some talk out there. You know, the, the, the preference is to have a new AD hired before Christmas. We'd like to have that done before Christmas, but we're not married to that timeline. It could be first of the year. It could go maybe even a week later. My honest opinion is, is I believe Dr. Keenum put that original timeline out there just because we don't want to rush the process. Because if he tells you it's going to be before Christmas and then maybe we're not ready to make a decision, people think, oh, well, this thing's in free fall. What's going to happen? It's not the big deal a lot of people think that it is. And I think it's important Uh, And and I say that it's an important position, but there's no recruiting responsibilities. You don't have to move with emergence right now. You've got to be able to move with purpose and get the right individual because they're going to be making some pretty big decisions that affect all of us. But you don't have to rush it because, you know, the athletic director doesn't have to be there for the official visits. When the football prospects come in in December, you'd like for him to be there or, or she, you'd love for them to be there. But it's not a requirement. Nobody is going to make a decision about a college football future based on the athletic director. Oh, well, I went to that school, and I, I met the AD. And at the other school, I was thinking I, I didn't get to meet the AD. You know, when John Cohen was here, he would meet with a lot of these young people and their families. Uh, so you'd like to have everybody on, on deck, but it's not that big a deal in that respect. And it is a very important decision. You guys know we've talked about it at length on this show. And so I I share that with you just to kind of tell you, there's really nothing to know this week. This is a due diligence week. This is a narrowing of the field type week. There's going to be, you know, some more formal interviews here in the days to come. And it's just November the 18th. And again, we're looking at time frame of around Christmas. You know, a lot of talk as of late about John David Wicker, former Mississippi State alum. I recently met his sister. They are died in the wool bulldogs. I know that he would come in here and work extremely hard for the advancement of Mississippi State. Jared Banco, of course, a guy that um, you guys are familiar with. I like Jared. Matter of fact, Jared this year when they, they hosted the regional down at Georgia Southern sent me a T-shirt. Yeah, he's a great guy. Really liked that guy a lot. When he was here, I was very impressed with his thing, you know, with his development here. Uh, there's a lot of other names out there. And at this point, somebody would say, well, Steve, he's, who's the leading candidate? Based on what I'm told, there's not a leading candidate. The Dr. Keenum wants to go through this very methodically. 
You're going to get the information, and then all of a sudden you're going to have the committee meet. You'll arrange interviews. You'll meet again based on the results of that interview, those interview processes. Then you will narrow the field down to a handful of candidates, and I'm told that the, the preferred two or three will then be brought to campus for an in-person interview, and then we will make an offer. So this is not going to be one of those deals where it's just kind of haphazardly done. And if you remember what happened last time, and it was so much, even to this day, there's a lot of misinformation about how that search was conducted. This was not a deal where we just walked down the hallway and hired a baseball coach. We went through a process. And it's really disrespectful to Dr. Keenum and everybody involved with Lee Hall to suggest that we went through some dog and pony show of a process just to go hire the baseball coach. John went through the process, and John ultimately was determined to be the right guy. And, of course, there were a lot of people working hard for John. And I give John a lot of credit, too, that he went to all the non-revenue-producing sports, you know, went to the coaches and found out what they needed so he could formulate a plan, and he got the support of the coaches on campus. And that ultimately was a big part of why he was hired, because he had a standing relationship with them and understood what they needed to advance their programs. And I think if you look around, especially in our – our smaller programs, you know, with our non-revenue producing programs, you know, softball, unprecedented heights, right? Hosted a Super Regional last year. We just talked about soccer. Volleyball, of course, gets the tournament for the first year last year. And so clearly the attention that John Cohen paid to what we would consider the non-revenue producing sports was beneficial. Not to think, look at what we've done as a javelin school. Is that who we are? Are we javelin you now? You know, we've done some great things. And so I think you need an athletic director like that too that is going to give license to those schools, excuse me, to those programs and coaches to be successful, give them the resources and the support they need to be successful. And we've done that. Ultimately, everybody is judged by their football hires. And, of course, the story is still being written on Mike Leach. Uh, it's written every day on the jeanspage.com message boards. And there's some, it's amazing the things that people say they've heard. And there's always people out there that, well, I've heard this and I read this. And, you know, I've had people come back to me. I've had people in day, recent days said, well, a friend of mine told me you said this, and I didn't say it at all. You know, and so there's a lot of those rumors out there. And so I just encourage you to, you know, kind of stay in the course here. A lot of people are wondering, too, about uh, what's happening with Lane Kiffin. You know, I am too. I'm, I'm wondering too what's going to happen with this. I do think that all of this talk and this chatter has proven to be perhaps a real distraction for Ole Miss. It's got a pretty big football game to play this weekend. And I know yesterday, I guess it was Richard Cross from Super Talk Mississippi that released, uh, you know, I think he broke the news that Ole Miss had extended an offer and an extension to Lane Kiffin to stay. And so uh, I share that with you because – I think it's important to understand if they were ready to put the fire out, Lane Kiffin just could just come out and say, hey, well, I'm going to stay. But all of this, in many respects, is controlled by agents. you know. And I guess if you're on the Ole Miss side, too, like if you've already come to terms with Lane Kiffin, right, and everybody in the building knows, is it a bad thing that you kind of leave it out there because you see that they've, they've really gotten on the NIL thing, right? Like, oh, we're, we're adding members, you know. It creates some urgency within your fan base. And maybe that's good marketing. I don't, I don't know. I don't know that he goes or not. I do know that he is very much a finalist for the job. Ole Miss folks trying to keep him. Uh, some Miss, Auburn, quote, reporters, some of the walk-on media types are uh, suggesting that Lane Kiffin's already come to terms with Auburn. I'm told that's incorrect. So we'll see how things progress. But it is interesting 
how this has unfolded here as of late. And you got to think, too, if you're Lane Kiffin and if you're Ole Miss and if you're a caretaker of Ole Miss football, do you really want this hanging over your head when you're about to play two games in, uh, in a week? Right? I mean, you're going to play two SEC West opponents within five days of each other, and you've got this stuff just kind of hanging out there. It seems like to me if it was certain that Lane Kiffin was staying – that you will, would want to remove that distraction from your fan base and your players. Now, I think it's also interesting to note, too, when Dan Mullen ultimately left for Florida, he left with an extension from Mississippi State on his desk. John Cohen, the athletic director at Mississippi State, they tried to work through an extension for Dan Mullen. He basically held everybody hostage. And midway through the year, before he played Alabama, there, that's another misnomer that's out there or some misinformation that's out there, he didn't make the decision after we lost to Alabama. He had made the decision earlier this, that year, and Dan Mullen, to his credit, informed Dr. Keenum and John Cohen that I'm going to take another opportunity at the end of the year. This is my last year at Mississippi State. So it wasn't some big surprise later in the year when his name resurfaced again, but this time there was more fire to the smoke. And John and Dr. Keenum, of course, went back to him again late, offered him another extension. He's like, no, nope, guy's not going to do it. That's one of the reasons – we were able to make a hire as quickly as we could is because we were aware of the fact that we were going to be looking at a coaching change. So we began that process rather delicately, kind of behind the scenes before it began to unfold. But John, and I think everybody else realized that Dan Mullen was headed to Tennessee. There were already some discussions through agents and things like that. It was pretty much good to go. And John Curry was trying to set up the flight to go pick up Dan and Megan. Well, on Monday of the Egg Bowl, I believe it was Sunday or Monday, Scott Strickland reached out to John Cohen and asked for permission to speak to Dan Mullen. And, of course, it was like, yes, but after the game. Well, once Florida got involved, things rolled for Tennessee, and then Dan Mullen stopped returning John Curry's text messages. And then the Tennessee coaching search uh, went into a free-for-all, and they thought they had uh, Mike Leach lined up when he was called home and the deal was nixed. Funny how that works, right? John Curry, of course, stabbed in the back by Phil Fulmer. A coup d'etat, if you will. John Curry, now the athletic director at Wake Forest, a name of interest for Mississippi State in its own search, uh, but I've been told that uh, he and his wife are both Wake Forest alums and, and plan to stay there for a while. So let's look at this weekend. You know, we talk about new names. Uh, there is a great chance, game permitting, that you're going to see a lot of names on the field, especially in that second half that you're not as familiar with. Now, Sawyer Robertson will play at some point, provided that we're not in a dogfight. There's no reason to think we should be, but you never know. But Sawyer Robertson will relieve Will Riders at some point, provided the game is in hand. I don't know if it gets beyond that. If it does, the next guy's Braden Locke. And he may just come in that final drive and handoff or whatever. But um, you will see Sawyer Robertson this weekend, barring something totally unforeseen, and see him run the offense, not just him get out there and hand off and kneel down. You know, the hope is the game is in hand uh, near the half, and then we can let the young guys play. And then these young receivers, too, Marquez Dorch, Janoris Hobson, Caden Pope, excited about every one of them. And uh, you should see them as well as some of the young offensive linemen. There, there is a lot of opportunity here in games like this. And, and you hate, you think, well, you know, it's the end of the year. But to get those guys' appetites wet a little bit, they're going to be getting a lot of the reps as we get into bowl practices. But you're going to see a lot of names you're unfamiliar with. Maybe get your program out and be ready for that. But uh, that is the current plan. I can also share with you, too, that uh, we're, we've been planning for Ole Miss all week, too. 
you know, we put a game plan in for East Tennessee State, and then the support staff has been cutting up film and kind of getting everything ready to go for Ole Miss. You know, Ole Miss themselves, I'm sure they've allocated some resources to kind of prepare for us. But, they, you know, they've got a, they got a big game this week, a road game in the SEC in frigid weather. Their attentions had to be mostly on Arkansas. That's what it should be. And, and maybe if they're trying to do too much, maybe that's a factor in the ballgame this weekend too. But uh, So we have done some advanced scouting of Ole Miss, kind of have an idea of what they want to do. And as you heard Zach Arnett say, that a lot of the, the, the fundamental elements of the ETSU offense is similar to Ole Miss. Uh, so that's a big part of things, too, as you kind of move forward. Now, as soon as our game is over, the work day is not over. We'll get our game done, and then our guys will be right back in the office getting ready to put a game plan together to get Ole Miss. And then your players, of course, their mandatory NCAA day off will be Friday. There will be no day off for the Bulldogs until after the Egg Bowl. They had their mandatory day off on Monday. The next one will be the Friday. So they're going to work from this past Tuesday all the way to the Egg Bowl. So there will be a lot of preparation, as you can imagine. There will be probably some fatigue, so we got to get our training staff working hard there uh, to kind of get things going. But the uh, reality of it is is uh, we're going to see a lot of Bulldog football here in the next week. I think we're going to win both games. I do. I think we're going to win both games. We need to get out of this thing healthy, get everybody in a training room, get our game plan together, get back on the practice field on Sunday, and be ready to roll. Uh, come Thursday as we get ready to head to Oxford. Now, I'll tell you, too, I'm not going to be in Oxford. I, had, I did request credentials this year. I had planned to go. Uh, but all my children are coming home for, for Thanksgiving. And so I'm going to watch a game with my kids. So I won't be there. And I don't want you to think that I'm scared to go. I'm, I'm ready to go, willing to go. Uh, but this year, just decided that I want to spend this with my kids. And I, I'm a guy, too, that probably sacrifices family more than I most. Sacrifices family more than I should and more than most. How about that? I can get that out there. Uh, so I'm going to be with them, and then uh, we'll go from there. And then we'll figure out what's going on with the bowl game. I do have a family trip planned for later in the year. And uh, when I take the family trip, I'm going to take a cruise, going to be out of the country and that sort of stuff. We, we won't do any shows. We won't. I don't plan to. I may change my mind before we get there. Uh, I may, like, load you up with shows before we get there to kind of preview the bowl game or whatever we've got going on. Uh, but I'll let you know. So if I am on hiatus – the first part of the year, don't panic and think, oh, my gosh, Steve is missing. Okay, this give you some advance notice because I'm, I'm really going to be committed to my, uh, to my family here during the holiday season because I spend so much time away from them. And uh, now that my kids are getting older, you know, they've got their own lives and they don't always have time for dad to say, hey, why don't you come home this weekend? Oh, we got this, we got that. So chance to get everybody under one roof and we'll, uh, we'll cheer the Bulldogs on from Starkville. All right, that's going to do it for today. We'll be back on Monday. It's hard to believe, man, that it's already Friday. But uh, we'll be back on Monday, hopefully recapping uh, an ETSU loss because we expect to go win that game handily. But, again, the bowl picture will really kind of start to come in focus this week. Again, that we talked about it on Wednesday show. You know, South Carolina, Kentucky, Florida, Mississippi State all right there together. You'll begin to see some separation there. And, again, not, not a lot of big games this weekend, but really on the back end of the conference, you know, with Arkansas still trying to get eligible, Missouri trying to get eligible, some big games, and I think they'll be very, very competitive just because of the fact that people want to extend their season. You know, it's as simple as that. You need those bowl practices to kind of get you a, you know, a running start in the next year. So be sure to check back with us on Monday. And then, again, programming note, Wednesday show will probably air Tuesday night, probably produce Tuesday night. So when you get out Wednesday morning and crank that car – and get ready for that trip, I'll be ready to ride with you. 
Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.